Welcome to the official Leverage Redemption After Show, a very distinctive podcast. I'm Yel Teagle, and I'm joined as always by my incredible co-host, Felicia Michelle. Hello. Today we're going to have a chat with Aldous Hodge. We also got a chance to chat with John Rogers. Of course, we're going to play some games and we're going to check out some fan art made by you. So be sure to stick around. Uh, But first, we're going to be discussing Leverage Redemption, Season 1, Episode 1, The Too Many Rembrandts Job. That's right. So consider this your spoiler warning. And if you haven't watched episode one, I don't know what you're waiting for. You need to head over to IMDb TV right now. Catch episodes one through eight. We're going to be talking about them. But don't worry, we'll wait for you. Yeah. If you've already binged this show, you might want to binge it again because there are some things you might have missed. So we'll give you some Easter eggs here. Well, but first, before that, we're going to get into the quick cap of the show. So when the team comes together to help Sophie, they intercept guilt-ridden corporate fixer Harry and decide to help him take down an evil billionaire making money on the back of the opioid crisis. This is the episode that brings our team back. I am so happy, so happy to see everybody back together and to see where we are. It's been almost nine years um, and we pick up about a year after Nate's death. What did you think of this? Because I know that you are a fan of this show, but you're not as like obsessed as I am. I thought it was amazing because you got a little of the the previous, you know, show, like what it was before. And then you get a new character, which helps, you know, an audience maybe never seen Leverage at all, understand the spirit of the show. So I was super excited for it to come back. And I think they did an amazing job in bringing it back. I told, I say people, it's not a reboot. It's a resurgence. <laughs> I keep calling it chapter two. Um, but you're right. I think that the introduction of the character of Harry was so smart because it lets new fans really jump in with a new character and, and get all the answers. Who are these people? What are they doing? What's everybody up to? So I really absolutely love this new character. Um, let's talk about the the storyline, the uh, opioid, opioid crisis. Opioid, no, it's, it's, it's hard to say and obviously even harder to deal with for the people in this episode. Uh, and it's kind of a real life thing. They came back with something pretty not like, oh, they just made that up. Like, no, this actually has happened um, and that had that type of backlash, you know, a family being held responsible. Um, But we might get into that in a little bit, right? Yeah, I know (laughs) that we like to talk about shows that are ripped from the headlines. Um, So this one is ripped from a headline. No, it is. Um, It's it's the Sackler family, um, which is a part of Purdue Pharma. And it's actually came out that they found them to be, you know, responsible for the opioid crisis here in the United States of America. And... um, beyond and how they you know wielded their power and built their empire off of that the same way as we see this our character our evil billionaire um did to um what kind of is not so great about this is that maybe we do need a leverage situation in this because <laughs> according to npr uh they actually are probably going to just get immunity. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about leverage is that we take uh, a thing that happens, a real thing, and we we deal with it in a way that would make us feel better if it would if it were to happen. I know. I explained to someone like who hasn't seen the show, and I was telling them about the show come back, and I was like, "You need to watch it. It's so amazing." But I explained it's not like uh, good guys avenging. No, this is bad guys being advocates for good people and and equally the playing field in ways that good people would never really do so really these are not like oh it's the good versus evil no it's the evil versus the evil reformed evil is that you know what i'm trying to say you picking up what i'm putting down okay Absolutely. yeah um so let's talk a little bit about our villain here maxwell uh who you know made all this money 
really selling drugs um, is no more than a drug dealer, but did it in the legal way. And that's what I love about this new uh, new chapter two is that we have, the, you know, the evolution of what has happened with crime. We are now where things are and what criminals are doing is they've written the laws. They've changed the way things works to benefit them. So he's selling these drugs and making money. And apparently what matters to him most is that his legacy lives on and through the arts, through the arts. (laughs) Okay. Like really just, I thought that was, it's interesting because at a certain point when someone has so much money, you have to ask yourself, what is their driving force and motivation? So his motivation was totally different than a lot of the other people that we've seen um, in chapter one of, of, <laughs> of leverage. You know, he's not like motivated by the money. He's motivated by the, 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 the air that it gives him the, the feeling of, I guess being prestigious and, you know, just being just like, like, immortal almost like right. that's, that's super evil that's like the plot <laughs> to every evil thing someone wants to be immortal yeah. oh my gosh it's super evil yeah yeah i think one of the great things is um th- the legacy is what matters to him the money comes and goes because he knows that like money is temporary everybody dies but if his name lives on then it doesn't matter and that's <sighs> that is evil that is pure evil um which i think is a, a fun and unique twist on our evil billionaires who just want to hoard money for no reason he doesn't even care about money so much so that he's willing to be wrapped up in legal battles for years and years because i got the bread i got the money it doesn't matter i can do it they'll die i was like they'll die you just you know um wow yeah well let's talk a little bit about the actual con let's talk about the, the the con that happens because like many leverage episodes, there's a con on top of a con on top of a con. We have plan A, B, C, all the way down to plan S, where Hardison survives. Because <laughs> we don't do plan M. No, we don't do, no, he's scarred by plan M. <laughs> we don't do plan M no more. Um, I love that the original idea is to um, sell him a stolen Rembrandt. And then that falls through. Uh, and I, I really was worried because it is, you know, our team coming back together with Sophie in the lead, I was worried that we were going to have an episode where um, we actually weren't going to be able to succeed. We weren't going to be able to have a, a plan B, C. Because S. Nate was always 30 steps ahead. Right. They're on plan A and he already had planned out to plan Z and maybe plan double A if right. even. So, uh, yeah, I but, but kind of no, because... She just what Parker said, like she's Sophie Deborah. Like you don't go in there. She knows what she's doing. And I you know, that's why in the first episode of, you know, the beginning of this whole series, he went to her. She was the first person he had to go to. You know, he was just a part of that group of, you know, reform thieves. Uh, But he chose her. And I think that really says something about what she's capable of doing um, in his absence. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. Um, And in the end, you know, we do. We do end up getting Maxwell mostly um, in the end of the first episode. I love that it just didn't start out that way. Um, I I love it. It was just like, you're down. Let's go steal something. Right. And it sounds like a 15-year-old talking to other 15-year-old. Let's go to the mall and shoplift. Like, that's what they really gave me, like, that kind of vibe. But, no, they mean, like, we're going to go to a prestigious museum and, like, steal something very fine. And she's like... Oh, I guess we know she loves to steal art. Like that was her mm-hmm. her thing was art. She loves art. Um, and and just to catch a con happening. Yeah, it excited. Did you see the excitement on her face when she was like, 
wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Something's not right here. Something's aloof. What's going on? Yeah, I absolutely love seeing this team, um, you know, trying to deal with each other's emotions the way that they would deal with their emotions. And I think that Parker is the, the perfect example of that because she has learned about emotions. She now understands. Going to a child psychologist, which if, if you're going to get any help, like by all means, whoever can help you. Right. But it, it made sense to Parker to go to a child I mean, yeah, that's what Parker's going to do. And I think that we got to see everybody, um, you know, everybody a little bit of where they, where they are and who they are and where they've been. So we got to see a little bit about Elliot as well. Um, I think the moment... And his meat trucks. His meat trucks. It really... <laughs> the, Again, right? We're talking about this evolution. The the villains have evolved as well. So have our team. Elliot went from, you know, sometimes was a chef at their cons um, to running the restaurant when they bought the brewery to now owning meat trucks. And that actually helped to employ veterans. Right. So I was like, oh, that is okay, Elliot. Like, and, and now there's international teams. We don't see, maybe maybe we will see these teams soon. I would love to, like, seems cool. Right. Um, I would love it, like, an international thing. But um, there's now we know that there are teams all over the world who are doing this, who are providing leverage for people in situations that need it. So I think it's so cool. It's like they have little doppelganger groups all around, you yeah. know. What's the French Hardison or you know who's the right. who's the Parisian Parker? Oh, well, we kind of do see a Parisian Parker, but <laughs> we've seen them be different um characters throughout right. the series, but yeah, like I think that'd be cool to see their counterparts. Oh, I agree. I think I think we'll I think we'll see them. Um Fingers crossed. We also got introduced to a new team, the RIZ team. Um, who are like elite assassins, kind of. They're like recruited by the CIA. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I feel like it was army. Like, yeah, it was a good way to introduce this um, concept that I feel like is going to keep popping up. Um, they remind me of like the Sterling of the original series. No, seriously though, and I like you said before, just the evolution of everything. Everybody's evolved. The teams evolved. Technology has evolved. <laughs> the criminals have evolved. You know. What motivates the different criminals has evolved. Um, yeah, it's, everything's changed. It's, it's with the best parts of what it used to be, I yeah. would say. I do love that the technology has changed um, because I think one of the hardest things in the original series is seeing a flip phone do things that a flip phone can't do. Um, so now the idea that we like have... There's no way that you got that <laughs> sharp of an image, sorry, from a flip phone. <laughs> But now we can print works of art masterpieces very quickly. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that because you see the change of technology. You know, um, Hardison's one of my favorite characters in this series. So anything technology and, you know, it's the age of the geek. So, yeah. Um, but we also have, um, you know, this is a story of redemption. This is what the entire season is going to be about, if not the entire series. Um, and there's a really great moment where Hardison explains um, that he comes from a multi-denominational multi household with Nana. Yeah, even like in the Jewish religion, it was like in the Jewish faith. Like yeah. It's like, well, why can't, why can't he be Jewish? <laughs> he could be. Um, and Drake. <laughs> I, there are lots of black Jews. Uh, I think that one of the beautiful things he says is that in the Jewish faith, you got to do the work. Um, it isn't, this isn't the win, this is the start. Hmm. And I really love that because it it is whether Jewish or not, that is a good way to look at, you know, redeeming yourself at apologizing at being better. It's not the words you got to 
take the steps or just the one action you know he he reminds harry in that scene you did a lot of bad stuff like mm-hmm. you're trying to redeem yourself from this one bad thing but you did a lot like of things so because of your history and he even says like oh he's associated with a bunch of bad guys like you know he even brings it up like you've have a, a long-standing history of this and, and it's funny that he was a lawyer because i thought to myself wow they picked like top three like crooked most crooked like occupations <laughs> no seriously because it's like you know what do you think like politician lawyer used car salesman you know and he was a cr- crooked terrible lawyer and it's good to see his conscience develop though like you know mm-hmm. we get those flashbacks of him going to talk to these people and I, maybe that one-on-one or that looking someone in their eye and doing something evil uh to them or detrimental to them is way harder than doing it when you don't see them and they're just a number or a figure so i think that's also what made it the difference between um him showing maxwell hey like these are the numbers and maxwell looking at him just like oh okay numbers figures commas doesn't matter and he actually went out and saw these people face to face yeah what did you think about the you know the way the episode started with this like all the time jumps how did you feel because i remember when i first turned on the episode i was like did we just start in the middle where are we what's happening what's happening i did uh go back and and refresh the browser because I thought that something had happened and I wasn't <laughs> sure but I love that type of thing though because it was, it's what keeps the audience going like oh my gosh okay so how did you how do we get from here mm-hmm. and for me you know you see Noah Wiley like he's a very popular actor so if you're not expecting to see him you're like oh, what is he doing and what's his right. character doing and how how is so I think it's a great attention grabber definitely got my attention um and it also gave that emotion first it, mm. a lot of the other things would have have made sense had they not gave that little flash forward. So I love little flash forwards. And, you know, and they put it like they changed the color a little bit and yeah. they look all old and stuff. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Um, in the end, Sophie says, you know, I said I would do one job, but the job's not done. And we repeat ourselves again. It's always only supposed to be one job when the magic is there. It's there, you know? Yeah. I have a question for you, though. Yes. So I was watching Sophie. You know, this is an episode where one year after Nate's passing mm-hmm. and that's not a lot of time if you lost someone close to you to be very honest so yeah. it's still very fresh for her we see you know after that opening uh, with Harry that she's you know distraught and like she doesn't want to be bothered and you know that whole thing but we never see her break down do you just think that's just something that Sophie Devereaux just does not do she just doesn't we didn't see her like cry like break down mm. you know she they always play these different characters and have to evoke so much emotion right. and control of emotion different breaths of emotion and so for her to be herself and not cry or shed a tear like did you expect that or did you I think Sophie or maybe uh, you think that moment might be coming I think Sophie probably doesn't let them see her cry mm. um, because because in the original series she was such a mama bear and and she you know, wants to be strong for them. And as we saw, she can't even text them back. And I think that I think that she holds the tears in. That said, I agree with you. One year is not a long time, no. especially with someone you love that much. Um, and so it's definitely I, I read this really beautiful thing about grief and how it's it's waves and yeah. and that sometimes like, you know, you're expecting the waves and then sometimes it's a wave a su- just hits a tsunami. You. Yeah, yeah I, I read that, too. Yeah. That's a great example. Well, wish I wish that we had read it here and had a better <laughs> right. way. It's, sorry, it's you waves. guys. Yeah, just waves. Google it. Just Google <laughs> it. Grief as waves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's all we have to talk about for the episode, but we still have games to play and interviews. 
Well, now, a portion of the show that we are super excited about, our special correspondents got to speak with Aldis Hodge, who you know as Hardison, or you may know him from One Night in Miami, or you may know him from City on the Hill, or a bunch of different projects. He's literally a superstar and took the time to sit and speak with us. Take it away, Yell and Felicia. Thank you, Yell and Felicia. We are so excited to be chatting with Aldis Hodge, who is playing Alec Hardison. Thank you, Aldis, for being here with us today. Aldis, many fans are very concerned about how busy you are. We saw a lot of tweets expressing appreciation for you returning to Leverage, even while you're working on so yeah. much else. In fact, um, Donna28 sent a little, tell him we say thank you. Uh, we read that he was actually busy with other projects, but still agreed to be in Leverage Redemption. What a generous, kind-hearted guy. The team could never be the same without Hardison. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's strange to me that uh, the audience thinks it's generous of me to, to do Leverage when I feel it's quite generous of them to... Uh, be the reason that we're even coming back in the first place so <laughs> my, my thanks goes out to the audience but yeah you know for me I I decided to come back simply because of the fan loyalty everybody has shown so much love throughout these years that we've actually been off that it's it's very different for me in my career I've never experienced anything like that that kind of support is crazy you know in a good way and then also just a chance to get back with the gang. I mean, I do enjoy my leverage fam. Um, everybody's cool. It was great to, to feel that energy and get back to, to what we were doing um, initially. So for me, um, it was just a great opportunity, a great privilege, and definitely wanted to see what this is like. I've never done this before in my career where I was able to go back and, and reboot something. So I'm not about to miss out on that opportunity. That's amazing. And I'm going to ask the question that's all on all of our minds. Um, and it comes from at Sanzo Chan, who wants to know how many episodes can we expect? <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I cannot answer that. <laughs> You've been doing this for a long time. You know, we, I know you from leverage is like your breakout role. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, it's crazy to have an opportunity to come back and do the, a reboot. Um, I wouldn't even call this a reboot. I think this is like a whole other type of thing sure. going on with this show. It kind of is a full circle moment if you think about it to be continuously being a working actor, to have so many really great projects currently happening and then for them to say, hey, your breakout role is right here. Again, if you want to just hop in your bag again, like what did you, how did you react to that? You know, my first thought, if anything, is uh, first I'm grateful for, for the opportunity uh, coming back around, but then the next thing is, all right, we got to put in the work before we can get too excited, before we can get to, uh, you know, to, before we can celebrate, we got to build the thing to celebrate. Because like you said, this is something that to a degree is a bit new. Um, we have sort of uh, an audience that carries seniority with uh, watching us from the beginning, who we owe it to them to give them that same flavor, that same energy and that same family camaraderie that we gave them those many years ago. And then we have a new audience that's just caught on to us where we still wanna introduce them to something fresh, but also bring them that same excitement that our original audience had when they first start watching the show. You know, I think we came out in 2007, something like that, the first season of Leopard. So, you know, the, the subject matter that the show is based on will always remain current. Uh, there is no shortage of bad guys and real life bad stories to pull from, 
But uh, I think it's more about the tone of the, the goal and the value of the show, which I love, which is that, you know, we're getting justice for the, the underdogs. And I myself in my personal life and in my business have always felt like an underdog. So I love that. Um, so, I, you know, I feel like there will be a connection for sure. But immediately I thought, OK, we got to make this work. We got to make this as good big bang pow as the first time around and we have to make it as impactful so let me focus on the work that's amazing well you know a lot of things have changed you know about the show we have of course we got our ogs we got some new characters but one thing that has remained the same it is the age of the geek baby like it's not it's so crazy to watch how technology has moved forward and a lot of the show and a lot of um, what your character does on the show is all technology based. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. my question in relation to that is like, do you hear from, um, there's a community that calls themselves Blurds, which are black nerds. I mean, you know, they're not many people of color or even women in STEM and in those kinds of industries. Do you hear from fans or in those industries that like, I saw you do this show and it, I thought it was so cool and I decided to be interested in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do actually. Uh, I'm a very proud blurred. I've always been been a blurred uh, my entire life. Uh, I'm more on the mechanical side, as many people know. I'm a horologist and a watch designer, and, and you know, I'm I'm developing a watch right now. So I dig into physics, chemistry, micromechanical engineering, that kind of thing. I do know there's a there's a large community of uh, black engineers, men and women. Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, heralded uh, STEAM and STEM wing for the Obama administration. So uh, dug deep diving into that, you know, we in there, you know, we, we have a healthy community, which I really love. And, and the thing I love about leverage is expose me to that community more to show me that we are wide, we are varied, we are not alone. And uh, I think there's this, um, I forget the name of it, but there's like this convention for, for black engineers, like 25 to 30,000 people, you know, show up. So we don't get the exposure uh, we don't or the duality can yeah. I like the duality of being able to be cool Ooh, and yeah. also smart like as if that can't yeah. coexist you know you know not a monolith of exactly of something you know it comes in very very degrees and areas of interest and expertise you know you just yeah. don't see it and but we can yeah. see it with your character so I just well, I thanks. know that had to resonate well that's the thing I do love is people always talk to me about that about feeling the cool factor because even in playing Hardison and trying to build up who Hardison was, I would, you know, sometimes people, well, and he can't do this because, you know, he's, he's like a techie guy, he's a computer guy. And I'm like, I am a nerd. And this is what I do in my real life. Nerds, you know, are nerds because of how much they know, how much they create, how much they focus on the minutia of the details of developing things. So all the cool things that you use that you experience in your regular day, nerds built that. So we do everything. Okay. It's all that we do. And nerds do other things that you may not readily associate. I grew up a martial artist. I work out. I push pounds. You know, I'll be up in that gym. Nerds do that too. So nerds can be looking like the buff swole fighter guy. Like we can do, we are everything. And that is the point of shows like this is to break the monolithic stereotype of thinking that you can only be one thing one way. Right. Um, and I love that for this season, we get to see that through my character and, and also my sister, my, my adopted sister, 
Brianna played brilliantly by Elise Shannon. So we get to see a completely different side because she represents a different generation. She's 10 years younger than me. She has a different insight on technology, how she uses technology. She's a part of the LGBTQ community. So we get to explore that as well. But we get to explore so many different avenues with these two characters of breaking the mold on what people think the idea of what we are is. And we get to show a different truth of who and what we are. Yeah, that's it. I love that about the show, but it's like nothing is ever as it seems. That's right. always kind of been the theme of leverage, and it, that theme is still in, is is in existence in this new season uh, or this resurgence. I don't like the word reboot; it sounds stale. So, in this resurgence <laughs> of, of the show, of the right. show. Um, yes. So, speaking of those new characters, you know, we we see a sister, we see um Brianna, and then we have Harry, and those two characters. I feel like I'm really super excited about. So when you read the script and you saw that you were going to get a sister, mm -hmm. you know, and that there was a person who, you know, I guess the team kind of with Harry, like showed him the way to that road of redemption. You know, your character really got, I was in, in, his, in his butt about it. Hey, sir, uh-uh, like you're in his side. Like, no, it's not just that simple to be a better person or be a better version of yourself. Because well, again, those characters, were you really excited when you read, read the script and saw them? Like, what was your reaction to that? Very excited, very excited because the the thing about a show like this is how do we take the audience by the hand and lead them, right? How do we give them the characters that they latched on to that they tie, you know, different ideals to, right? And with Harry, we get to show people there is intention, but then there's the work that you have to put behind the intention to get the job done. And it is not just one thing it's a constant thing it is a commitment to a particular lifestyle with Harry we get to show that this man is now understanding and learning what that feels like what that means to commit yourself and dedicate yourself to a life of service to people who are in need and for for him to do that he has to challenge himself he has to look inside and you know see what kind of person he is and oddly enough it's the strangest thing when you know audiences are always much smarter than sometimes we give them credit for because they will come up and they will say, hey, look, you know, I remember this character watching this and I was going through such and such in my life and it helped me get through that because I saw how, you know, this person did it or I connected to this character in this way. So everything is, uh, we, we have to be very cautious and, and very careful about how we strategize who these characters are. Yeah, because are you are. guys are talking about things their storylines that are very much so what has happened like you know ripped yeah. from that ripped from the headlines type of thing mm -hmm. like these are have actually happened and there may be somebody who is watching this they may have been an affected yeah. party by this real thing that happened and how are we going to how are we going to show that in um a, a way that has integrity and authenticity yeah. and i think the writers really seem to understand they understand the assignment they yeah. they they got it well, what's creepier is the, sometimes they'll come up with a story, come up with a, 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 this heinous crime, and you're like, ah, oh, this is, you know, it's a little out there. Who knows? Could this ever happen? And then, like, a couple of years later, you're like, oh, it just happened, which is strange. It's like, well, y'all, like, y'all Are y'all the new Simpsons? Wait a minute. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, the Simpsons, they wild. All the stuff that the Simpsons, the Simpsons are wild with the predictions that they've made. But... If they it's just did a lotto episode, we'd be all good. Yeah. I'm gonna need them to hurry up with that ASAP. With with leverage, it does happen. It has happened a time or two where 
you're like, oh, this is kind of crazy. It, it, being right about certain things validates that you are doing the work and you're, you're on the right path. But also at the same time, you kind of don't want to be right sometimes in these situations <laughs> because of the nature. Um, but, you know, it's for me, the thing that I love is, uh, it's, it, you know, sometimes people do say, you know, I was in this very situation on the other side of it where I didn't know how I was going to make it out. And just in that moment of grief, watching leverage gave me a little hope it gave me a little oomph you know and for me that is uh it's kind of it's, it's monumental in a way it's it's strange and then there's other times there's a young woman her name is uh stephanie marucci she's recovering from brain surgery and um with that comes the challenge of having to learn how to speak again mm. so a part of her practice she was practicing, you know, saying the characters' names from leverage. And she sent us a video, which I thought was really amazing and fantastic because you see this woman who's a real fighter, a real soldier, who's not given up. And she's connected to something with leverage, the fight with the character, the fight, the internal fight that the characters have. And, you know, just the fact that, you know, she's sitting there practicing our names. You know, this is a real hero who's, using our characters to help her regain her mobility, her strength in different ways. Um, and I would encourage anybody who's watching this to go show love. It's her Instagram is Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E underscore M-A-R-U-C-C-I underscore Stephanie Marucci on, uh, on Instagram. Just go show us some love, show us some support. Let her know that we're out here thinking about her, fighting with her, fighting for her, prayers up, all that, you know, because... You know, she's got a real struggle, but she's not giving up. And she's the real hero that, you know, the people, the characters that we build on the show, the characters that we look up to, they're inspired by those real heroes out in the world. How do you, how do you feel? Did you cry? Like, did you heard that? Because like, no, come on. You could tell me. It's okay. Real men, real men express their emotions. <laughs> I, you know, it's weird when, when things like that happen. It's, I didn't, uh, I didn't cry. Did not cry. Um, it. It's not, it's not that it puts pressure, but it makes me aware yeah. of the moment of the responsibility. So to a degree, mm -hmm. if you see something like that, you're like, oh, wow. Because it makes you realize there's a real impact to what, what it is that you're doing. And it reminds you of accountability mm -hmm. and it sort of resets focus for path and purpose. So I use that as sort of the universe hitting me in the head saying, all right, bro, pay attention to this realign yourself because you have some things that you you need to start focusing on again so keeping it front of mind yeah yes yeah, it's, it's a it's a tool a teaching tool that i use to try to correct my path in life yeah. that's amazing there are some laughs in there though you know we got we got drama we got good oh, yeah. guys bad guys we get we get to fight you get a little everything with with the leverage and our leverage redemption you know this resurgence of the show not a reboot and because um what what can people expect to take away that's different this time around? I would say the, the main, the primary difference is that each of the characters that you know and love are in different places in their lives. So you're going to find out new things about what they've been doing these past 10 years, new uh, backstory moments, new, you know, new history. So um, that is the difference. And that's sort of the fun of going through the seasons because you get to pick up these little nuggets and Easter eggs. But as far as you know the leverage package it is fun it is it is silly it is danger it is drama it's all these things and, and figuring out how to 
laughing at dark times and figuring out how to how to find that extra fight to get through the hard times, you know, and having a fun way to do it. So you're going to get that too. And, you know, the thing I love about this is we get to, uh, you know, like I was mentioning before, we get to, to engage uh, an audience who's been rocking with us for since 2006. Been 2007. waiting on you, been and, waiting on you. Been like, where and, you at? and we get the new audience, you know, the, the, the audience that I've never experienced in my life. With. Probably their kids. Probably like yeah. their kids. Yeah. That's the thing. They're like, yeah, you know, I, either I grew up watching you or I was watching you. Then I got a little and now they watching you. And it's 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 strange to me. I'm like, wow, this is, it's been going for a minute. But again, as just just as a as, as a as a professional in this industry, the, the opportunity to go back to something that was so great and so fun. You get to do it again. It's a really grand blessing. It's something that does not happen often, you know, so to be able to come back at it and then the opportunity as an artist to figure out, you know, what you can put out there, how you can put it out. That's amazing. So for me, this is going to be a nice discovery of, you know, this is a very nuanced experience. I've never been through it. None of us have really been through it. So it's going to be a discovery watching how people react to uh, to the premiere. But uh, for me, this is fantastic. Well, I can say with certainty that they are going to love it. And mm-hmm. if they're if you're a deep down like le- like leverage OG fan, like you're going to love it. And if it's brand new to you, you're still going to be able to fall in love with it and kind of be able to pick up. So I think the writers did an amazing job. Y'all did an amazing job. Like. seriously thank you thank you definitely appreciate that um yeah i can't wait just to see what people say and and again i feel like our new characters just molded right into it you know people they you know there's a lot of folks that know noah right Noah, he's fantastic and and uh i know he's he's got a lot of fan love out there so it's fantastic to have him on he just fell right into it um, but I, the thing I look forward to the most is the introduction of Elise Shannon. She's really great. You know, um, I think a lot of people are going to discover a new fun side of this actress just because she's so funny and she really does bring it, you know, and she's got her own thing going. It's a beautiful, perfect compliment to the Hardison Parker element. And uh, because she grew up knowing both characters, you know what I mean? So, but I'm really excited to see how people uh, uh, you know, connect with with the Brianna character because Elise Shannon, she's knocking it down. I think they're gonna love her. Like I, I personally, like, oh. she first off, I was like, who it is? Oh my god, hi girl. Yes, <laughs> but she, and it's really cool again to see you know a woman in STEM. She came and she breathed in you know that fresh Gen Z life that yeah. you know we don't know about. The people wear middle parts and it'll wear skinny jeans anymore and she you know came to to shake it up and then I think Harry does a great job at retelling why leverage is leverage and why why that story is there and that spirit of redemption of I wanted and I think we're all just waiting for a good guy or we're waiting for maybe the bad guys to realize that they're bad and be good guys and I think maybe this is a perfect time for this show um to happen because we need a little bit of that yeah yeah we definitely see that in Harry what an awesome interview. Thank you so much, Aldis. Now I'm going to send it back to you, Felicia and Yell in studio. Thank you so much, Yell and Felicia, for chatting with Aldis for us. We know it was a tough job and somebody had to do it. Stay tuned in just a bit because we'll be talking to John Rogers. But first, let's play Bingo. Um, we released a printable official Leverage Redemption bingo card on our Twitter at After Leverage. Uh, we were inspired 
by actually one of the fans at LeverageOT3 on Twitter to make our own bingo cards. So these are out for you to check out and download your own. There is a blank printable one. You can fill it in with all of the uh, suggested bingo <laughs> items every week and play along. Um, this is what we got in this week's episode. Here are the things to mark on your bingo card. So um, there was not only art, but artists, Rembrandt, lots of art there. There was the infamous bird's eye shot. Um, there was drinking. There was, in fact, a lot of drinking. <laughs> um, Elliot also tries to cook because, of course, he's going to cook. Of and then course. he does. And then he does. He plates uh, for everybody. We do get to see a little bit of Leverage International. Uh, we do hear Age of the Geek, baby. <laughs> and we also hear David Hardison. Um, of course, the iconic line, let's go steal a stolen Rembrandt. And uh, we do see the Elliot Hardison handshake. There are references to the original series. We have Alice White is Parker's name in the... Um, Alice. In the... Uh, what's the, the scene I'm thinking of? The, the auction. Auction is the word I'm looking for. Um, but also we have reference to Plan M. Um, of course, emotions are discussed. Um, Elliot asks Sophie if she wants to talk. We do hear about Lucille. R.I.P. Lucille. Um, of course, Parker is in the vents. <laughs> and of course, we end with the gloat. So if those were on your bingo card... That's what was in episode one. Make sure you have your bingo card ready. Each episode, I will tell you which of the items are in the show. Um, so now let's check out our exclusive interview with John Rogers, one of the amazing producers and creator of Leverage Redemption. We are sitting down with the one, the only, John Rogers. Hello, John. Hello. It's very nice to be here and back with you. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's very nice. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Uh, I have to know, as a Leverage fan, as an obsessed Leverage fan, um, what has it been like to bring the show back? I mean, it's funny because, you know, and I've talked about this, when we wrapped the show the first time, uh, we were really angry at all the bad guys we were writing about. And it was a little bit like, we're sad to go, but man, we're going to wind up killing people if we keep investigating these cases for the show. <laughs> and then when Dean called and said, I'm bringing it back, I went, no way, no, there's no way, no way. And he said, yeah, I'm going to do it. I said, all right, well, there's no, whenever he puts his mind to something. And then as the pieces came together and Aldous calls, like, you doing it? And Beth calls, like, you doing it? I'm like, what? I can't believe this is happening. And And so to a great degree, you know, I was like, look, I'll just consult. Like, you know, the times have changed. And I, I, I think one of the important things is you should get new writers and a new, particularly new showrunning voice like, you know, Kate Rourke to make sure you don't fall into old patterns, to make sure you're just not doing a retread, right? You want it to have the familiarity of the old show, but not feel like it's just bringing back the old show. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as the show kind of progressed forward and I helped out and I was, I, you know, they were like, well, why don't you write the, you and Dean and Chris do the first two or three to kind of establish the pattern because launching a show the pilot episode of a show setting up a season setting up the characters that's a very specific skill set that we'd done a couple of times so we did that and and yeah it was very weird it was it was because you don't want to repeat the same beats but at the same time you know what people like and that was a lot of the fun too was being reminded like oh man i love writing these scenes like i just love writing a hardest and elliot scene i just love writing and, and now you get like 
you know, you get to do Gina as Sophie in like a whole different dynamic, which was fantastic because I always loved doing the, the Gina Sophie stuff earlier. And then you have the new characters. Um, and, and so it was enough new stuff to make it feel like we were bringing the audience something that wasn't just the old show, but it was still the enjoyment of, oh, God, I remember how much I enjoyed this. And hopefully the audience will enjoy it, too. So Well, I can I, say. Yeah, yeah, I think right. that they definitely will. Yeah. It's funny. I was you know saying I've been telling people about it, and I always it's not a reboot. I don't want to keep saying it's a reboot because it's a resurgence of something, uh, a redemption of sorts, um, for the people out there who really have been missing leverage for a long time. It's been a, almost a decade. And I think that's that was one of the priorities. It's like we can't pick up in a static sense because we didn't treat the characters as static over the course of the first show. They changed. They evolved mm-hmm. in a very specific way. And to be blunt, we ended it the way we wanted to end it. Um, you know, I'm sure I, I've told you this story, but it was we were shooting the first We Provide Leverage scene, the end of the pilot, and I turned to Dean and said, I know how the show ends. And we actually drove over that five years to that ending. And so you can't ask, as a showrunner and creator, you can't ask for a better thing. You can't ask for a better opportunity. And so coming back, it's like, all right, well, what's, what's the animating purpose of this? And to talk about how we made it text. Because we were all coming back. It's like, what's it like to come back after you've changed, after you've evolved with the relationships, how they feel the same, how they feel different? And why, instead of struggling with it, why don't we just make it part of the show? Um, and that, that was a big part of it. Like, our audience has changed. These actors have changed. The world has changed radically. We must make it text. I think uh, one of the beautiful things is the way that you handled uh, losing Nate. And I, Dean told me that it was your idea to have it set a year after his death. Yeah, because because grief is all consuming, and and it's very hard. Look, we're a light show, we're a fun show, and it would have been very hard to handle things directly after his death. The grief would have been all consuming. Any fun you had would have felt like you were violating uh, th- that happened, and so it's like, well, let's give us some time. And, and look, we've all lost people, and we all are like consumed with grief, and then we go, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'll check in, I'll check in, and, and look, that's why we address that in the opening of the show stop checking in and they're getting concerned because they love her right and that's why Parker has the line Elliot was very concerned because Elliot would have been the one in the big giant house that they all share where he's like (laughs) he's like man why isn't she calling us what's going on she's in a place where it would feel rude to go snap out of it Mm -hmm. but it feels right to go after a year we're worried about you I think it works so well I'm glad it did I personally think it was the right choice um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the villains because Ugh. they've evolved. <laughs> um, tell me about, you know, you said at the end, looking into these stories at the end of the original series, you hate these people and they've just gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was interesting because that was one of the challenges too where it's like, well, in the old show, often we would reveal a villain's malfeasance to the press and the resulting publicity would bring them down. And now we know like... There is almost no amount of press that can bring someone down, unfortunately. And we have to be real about that. And so as a result, we're like, all right, well, we have to we have to structure these stories differently where their own creditors bring them down or their own other bad people bring them down. And and, you know, they often worked around the fringes of the industry last time. They were cheating. They were keeping something secret. And now they're like, oh, part of the. Part of the fun of the first show was the, the correct arc for a view of the first show is like, well, that can't be right. Let me Google that. Oh, my God. And in this, it's like, 
yeah, actually, I think I heard about something like that. Is that actually <laughs> that bad? And then you Google it and you go, oh, my God. And like, yeah, like they're, they're, we're, we're tackling stuff that has become is more. We did a little bit more of it toward the back end of the first show. The stuff that we've just somehow allowed people to get away with. Mm. Um, and when did we agree to that? You yeah. know, we didn't, but we did through laws and the system and systemic racism and the plutocracy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, people always say, like, how did you get radicalized? I got radicalized writing my stupid cable show eight years ago. That's how I got <laughs> radicalized. It kind of is perfect timing if you think about it for the show to come back because I think a lot of us are tired, like you said, of seeing people who we know are evil, essentially, and don't really care about the, the greater good for everyone when and it's like well wait why why do i feel like me and my family and my friends are good people why does it feel like we're not winning you know um always like they're not the team is not good guys they're bad guys who are willing to do the right things for good people and look that was always one of the the things we talked about in the first show and it's still one of the moral ideas like the first show ends with a martin luther king quote that most people missed and i'm still stunned we snuck it past tnt because it's not one of the nice ones Mm. um but you know it is to a certain degree a serious moral question when you are faced with systemic oppression is resistance which is technically illegal morally justified and the answer to the show is yes obviously but we just do it in a really entertaining way because you know, when it's morally justified in the real world, that is very earnest lawyers filing, you know, filing after filing for eight years and not making any leeway. That's not, it's great drama. It's not necessarily cathartic. So we give you, well, how do you fight those bad people? Well, if they play by these rules, we're going to play by these rules. Is that why you chose to bring in a new character and he be an attorney? Because we're seeing all the legitimate, or not legitimate, it, it, but legal ways that people are getting away with things. It was a nice coincidence because because it allowed us to do two things. It's, and this was very much Chris Downey's idea when we were talking about, like, what's this character we're going to bring in? Chris, of course, used to be a lawyer. He used to be an evil, used to work for an evil firm <laughs> that, that represented these people. And whenever you see some legal chicanery, it is Chris has written that bit. Um, and uh, what it was is, okay, we, we, we need to introduce new characters to the rule, new viewers to the rules, but we don't want to bore old viewers with the new character. Let us use Harry as both a lens to understand the old show, but a way to talk about the new show. And, and um, as that guy, it's like, well, who's, who would some, why, would, why would he switch sides? It's like, you know, eventually... Uh, he just got fed up. Like, and he didn't even get fed up. Like I've been feeling this is wrong for a long time. He had that moment of clarity. You know, it's like his thing was always, I don't choose sides and yeah. I, I feel okay because I'm not choosing a side Be, because not choosing sides is a fiction. You're always choosing a side, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and that is a fiction that people who uh, have a luxury in society who are not going to suffer the results can tell themselves Mm. and what has happened is he has been hit smack in the face by not only and you know i think if it had gone differently with maxwell he might not have turned if maxwell hadn't gone you gave me the key it Mm. might not have landed with him the right way if the red file hadn't existed if it had just he just walked away and never found out what happened to those people he might not have turned but this was the right confluence of, of of um events and stuff like look you know, companies do studies, actually do studies to figure out how many litigants will die mm-hmm. before a case needs to be settled. Or whether if we pay this many settlements, we may as well just pay the settlements rather than fix the safety problem. That's a 
That's just the thing. Mm. That's, that's not controversial to say. And it was great because we're always hammering at the system to have somebody from within the system go, no, we know this is wrong. Like this, we shouldn't be doing this. And affluent too. Like he's like not just like some right. lawyer. He's like the lawyer. Yeah. Like he's that well, guy. Well, leverage is always the everybody's the best at what they do. Yeah. Right. And so that was kind of the fun. It's like what happens if he's the best evil guy? And there's there's a bit like in the second eight where he's like, could we stop saying evil lawyer? And they're like, no, not yet, man. You're not there yet. Uh, and and you know, but that's the idea. Is like he, we all have to figure out some way to get our way back from a system that is now built to hurt people. And Harry is a proxy for a lot of people in society and, you know, our own our own lives. Well, before we go, we know that leverage would be nothing without the fans. We're going to show you some really cool fan art from Robin, Leah, and Allison. If you want to be featured, you can tweet at us at After Leverage on Twitter, or you can DM either one of us on Instagram. I am at Yale Teagle, and she is at It's Felicia Michelle. The official Leverage Redemption After Show is part of the Electric Surge Network on Electric Now. We recommend checking out some of our other original content like Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, and Best Movies Never Made. Finally, a very special thank you to Bill Ritter, Patrick Meany, and everyone at Electric Surge Network, our producers, Natalie Michelli, and of course, Dean Devlin, without whom this show would not be possible. Join us next time for more from Aldous Hodge and John Rogers, plus a few more guest stars and some more games. Until next time, I'm Yael Teagle. And I'm Felicia Michelle. And this has been a very distinctive podcast. 